All right, y'all ready to get in the Word or what? All right, well, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 17. Have your, have your mustard seed ready. You know, last time I was here, it's, all, it's almost been a year since I, I've, I've been here on a Wednesday night. And uh, if you remember when I was here about this time last year, I, I made a statement, and it was this. I said that faith not only involves believing in God, but faith also involves believing God. And y'all understand the difference. Everyone here, I'm sure, believes in God, right, that God exists, right? Come on, let me see your hands. You believe God exists, but for most of us, that's not an issue. The problem that a lot of us run into is that we, we sometimes have a hard time not believing in God, but come on, say it with me, believing God, believing his promises. And if we, if we were going to be honest tonight, come on, how many of y'all run into seasons in your life when it's really hard to believe God for something in your life? We all have those moments. We do. I know I, I, I have those moments. And it's in those moments when we just have to be honest and not, you know, sometimes you do have to fake the funk. Come on. Y'all come in, y'all come in on Sundays and someone asks, how you doing? And what do you say? I'm fine. I'm fine. You're not fine. You just had a big blow up in the parking lot with your spouse. Come on. How many of y'all know one missing sock on a Sunday morning can stop the kingdom of God in your life? One missing sock. You're not fine. You're mad. Come on. You, you're mad. And Pastor Josh asked you, how you doing? You, you, I'm fine. You're not fine. But how many of y'all know it's okay to be honest? Because God, God knows you're not fine. We go through those seasons. But, 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 but the real test is for us is not believing in God. It's, it's believing God. It's believing him, trusting his word, trusting that what God said is going to come to pass. And so this last, this last year, really going 2017 into 2018, God rebuked me. Y'all ever get rebuked by the word of God? If you read the word long enough, the word and the Holy Ghost is going to slap you around a little bit. And kind of wake you up. And I, and I had one of those moments going into 2018. And God spoke a word to my heart and really corrected me. He, he never rejects me, but he corrects me. How many of y'all know that there's a difference? God's his correction is not rejection. And he, he, he corrected me on something. And uh, I, I had some things in my life, some prayer requests that I had offered throughout 2016 and 2017, and, and I got real excited about some of those prayer requests, and uh, I had some big needs in my life, and, and I prayed, and I prayed hard, but, what I, but I, I, I was reminded by the Holy Spirit that, that along the way, not with everything, but with a, a few areas in my life, I just kind of gave up praying. I just kind of dropped some things. And, of course, how many of y'all know God knows what we need before we ask? And that's really good, right? Because if it was up to you to depend on praying and keeping up with everything, your life would be a wreck. Come on, God, God keeps up with your life. That's, a good, that's, that's good preaching right there. God's keeping up with your life. But nonetheless, he still wants to hear from you, and he still wants to hear from me. And, and the Holy Spirit reminded me that there were some areas in my life that I, I just dropped. I just I stopped praying for some things because, well, I didn't see anything happening in my life. Am I the only one? You ever been there where you had something, you just kind of gave up? Not that you gave up on God. You didn't give up on Christianity. You just gave up on it, whatever it was. Y'all with me? Yeah. And, so, and so God showed me 
that he said, son, you need to pick some things back up in your life. Some things that you dropped, you need to pick them back up because God reassured me that he's not done with me yet. And I promise you, you feel at times like he's done with you in an area, and I promise you, he's just getting started. My God, when he starts a good work, come on, y'all, he completes that good work. He's not a God who starts and then backs away. He No, come on, he follows through on his word. And that's what he reminded me of so clearly, and I got so fired up about this word because it was, it was encouragement to me to pick up some things that I dropped. In Matthew 17, there's a passage here that spoke directly to me. You know, it's one thing to share a word to people, uh, for people, about people. I mean, we get up, we, we open up the word, and it's our job as preachers to preach the word of God. But, man, there are those moments when when I get a word from the word, that it speaks to me first. Pastor Bub, you know what I'm talking about. And it, it, what I'm going to talk about tonight, it's not just the word, it's not just theory. This is my experience. So I want you to look with me in Matthew 17. And we're going to bring together our experience with the word of God. That, that's where the real power lies. At the intersection of your life, your obedience, and the word of God, that's where the power of God falls. So here in Matthew 17... Um, I'm going to summarize most of the chapter leading up to verse 14, but here's what's going on. The disciples go up on the mountain with Jesus, and they have this mountaintop experience. How many of y'all went to spiritual renewal at, uh, at OSC this last year in, uh, in Lafayette? Did any, any of y'all go? Freedom. Not freedom, but uh, spiritual renewal. And I know some of y'all are going to be at freedom, aren't you? Come on, let me hear it. Let me see you. Who's going to freedom? I'll see y'all there. I'll see y'all there. But we, we have, every year, it's called spiritual renewal, and we go up the mountain, so to speak, and we meet with God, and great speakers come in, and we call it a mountaintop experience. Well, in Matthew 17, the disciples had a mountaintop experience with Jesus, and Jesus is transfigured before their very eyes, and I can't get into all the detail of this passage. You can read it in your own time, but man, this was a powerful moment. The disciples are with Jesus up on the mountain. Big moment. They saw Jesus like they had never seen him before. But how many of y'all know whatever goes up is going to come down? And so it's good to have spiritual renewal. It's good to have moments where you go to the Freedom Conference or the Freedom Retreat, and we're all together, and we're celebrating. And come on, those are called mountaintop experiences. But, but see, the, the, the telltale sign that you heard from God and got touched from God is not just based on what happened, come on, up on the mountain. It's, it's what happens when you come down off the mountain and you go back into the valley, into the day-to-day things of life. That, that's when, when you know that God's done a work in your heart, when you go back down into the valley, the valley of the shadow of death, and you look at problems, and you look at issues, and you say, come on, bring it on. My God's faithful, not just up on the mountain. He's faithful in the valley. Wherever I go, my God's on my side. Come on, somebody. No matter where you go, your God is on your side. And see, see that's how when, you, when you're in the valley and you get that revelation and you hold on to it, that's when you know that you met with God on the mountaintop. And so what we see here in Matthew 17 is they went up, they came down. And here was the problem. When they got down from the mountain, they ran into an issue. Come on, raise your hand if you got some issues. I love y'all. Come on, me too. Well, I got lots. Ask my wife. But the disciples come down, Jesus comes down, and, and, and here, here's, here's the problem. Let's read it. Matthew 17, 14 through 16. It says, and when they came to the crowd... A man came up to him, that's Jesus, of course, 
kneeling before him, said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and suffers terribly. Now, the King James Version says at this point that he, he's lunatic and sore vexed. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples. Notice this. And they could not heal him. And they, let me repeat, they could not heal him. So you, you've got this, this man, this daddy, this disgruntled daddy who, who needed a real miracle for who? For his son. And apparently the people who had been with Jesus did their best to get this demon out or to see him, this boy healed, but their best wasn't enough. You ever get frustrated and you feel like you've given it your all, you've given it your best, and your best just wasn't enough? Well, that's what happened here. And this boy had a demon, and y'all know demon possession is very real, right? There's some today in the body of Christ who say, well, that, you know, all that demon possession, that's just in the first century, you know, during the time of Jesus. Well, let me just share something with you. The way that, you know, that's not true is that you just turn on the TV and you see all the craziness in the world. Because, see, we, we see the physical. We see the physical actions, the, the racism. Can we, can we speak against racism for a second? I'm talking about that racist devil that's on the loose here in, in South Louisiana. How many of y'all know we're chasing that devil out of Louisiana? Yeah, y'all are doing that right here. But, but behind racism and the expression uh, of hatred and jealousy and lust, you name it, you, you see the physical manifestation, but there's a spiritual dynamic underneath it giving rise to it. And see, that's why Paul says our battle is not against what? Flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities and powers, against the, the spiritually dark forces of the world. How many of y'all know you have authority in Jesus' name to get up in the devil's face? And see, the, the truth is, y'all, a lot of us have been running from the devil. But see, when you understand your authority in Jesus Christ, come on, you get the devil running from you. And that's the authority that we have in Christ. Now, in this episode, this boy was demon-possessed, and this demon was trying to kill him. And we see these disciples giving it their all. And I don't know how this went down. I don't know what they said. But I think they might have stepped up and said something like, with big faith to that boy and that demon, in the name of Jesus, come out. And I think they started, I think, I can't prove it, I think they started with, with big faith. Come on, they were just up on the mountaintop. They had to have some faith on them, right? In the name of Jesus, come out! But as they continued to try to drive this demon out, how many of y'all know that demon wasn't budging? And I think it started, in the name of Jesus, come out! But by the time they got done, it was... In the name, forget it. This ain't working. You ever been there? You prayed and you prayed and you, you had big faith, but because that prayer didn't get answered, 
your prayers went from big down to almost nothing, and maybe, maybe you just stopped praying altogether. Well, at some point, these disciples, they, they just gave up. They got frustrated, and, he, and here's what happened. Jesus got frustrated. How many of y'all know Jesus gets irritated every now and then? And it's not because he just wants to be irritated. It's because something's going on that's justifiably irritating him. And here, here's what he says. He said, he said to, this, to this group, he said, Oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And the Bible says here in Matthew 17, verse 18, and Jesus rebuked the demon. Notice this. He spoke a word. He rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed immediately. Now, that had to be very frustrating for the disciples who were giving it their all. And I don't know for how long, but I, I'm convinced, y'all, they were into this moment. But when they didn't see anything happen, oh, it's just okay, this isn't working. Then Jesus steps up and just with the word, bam, that boy's free. What? How many of y'all know it? Man, if I had a mic, I'd drop it for Jesus right now. <laughs> Come on, when Jesus, give me, no, I don't want to break y'all's stuff. Y'all <laughs> How many of y'all know Jesus is that bad? He's that good. When, when he speaks, man, stuff happens. Now, here's what happened. This boy was freed in an instant. But go back to the disciples for just a second. When I read about these disciples, I'm like, man, they're, they're, that looks like something I would do, like something I would say. You know, whenever I'm reading about Peter, Peter's always, you know, he's the first to commit, the last to follow through, you know, and, and he had a big old mouth, and, you know, Peter had issues. I'm like, that's, that's me, you know. You read about other Bible characters, like, yeah, if they did something stupid, that's something I would do. Well, in this passage, the disciples truly represent us. They represent us because some of you here, you can identify firsthand with these disciples because uh, maybe you started out praying for something in your life, like for your marriage to be restored or for that cancer to be healed. Maybe you prayed for something and you prayed over and over and over again, but nothing's happened in your life, that the chains are still around you and you're still perhaps as bound tonight as you were last week and the week before that. And maybe tonight, if you're honest, you say, man, I'm just super frustrated because I know all the right things to say. I've been through growth track, and I, I show up early to serve, and, and I'm doing my best. But, but if I were to be honest, I'm really ticked tonight. I'm really frustrated because Christianity is not working out like it was supposed to in my life. Man, I've been frustrated with God before. Am I alone? Frustrated. And by the way, it's okay to be frustrated. It's just not okay to stay that way. See, it's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay not okay. Okay? Y'all got it? You just don't want to stay there. You can go there because you're human. God doesn't expect you to be perfect. He wants you to be human. He wants you to be honest. Because how many of y'all know he already knows about the junk in your trunk? He already knows that it's all there. And he loves you anyway. Isn't that good news? Come on, somebody. He loves you anyway. He loves you anyway. 
But, but, but here in this passage, in, in the passage of your own life, we're giving it our all and then just things aren't happening like we wanted them to. And some of y'all tonight, you feel like there's a big mountain right in front of your life. And instead of that mountain moving out of your life, come on, it's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and has all but said to you, I'm here for the duration, I'm not leaving your life. And that mountain has been intimidating you. That mountain has been scaring you. That, and some of y'all, you've just gotten used to the fact that that mountain's going to be there for the rest of your life. That addiction, that pain, that unforgiveness. Am I talking to anybody here tonight? Y'all know what I'm talking about. And some of y'all, you, you've just gotten used to it. That mountain is right in front of your, your very eyes. Well, the disciples had their own mountain to deal with. Look at this back in the text. You know what their mountain was? Check it out. They were just up on the mountain. They came down from the mountain and came face to face with another mountain. And you know what that mountain was? It was the demon in that boy that would not move. That's the mountain, metaphorically speaking. It's not the mountain behind them. The mountain, are y'all tracking? The mountain was the demon in the boy that they could not cast out. And that demon's looking back at them saying, you can say anything you want to me or to us. We're not going anywhere. That's frustrating. Now go back to Jesus and here's what happens. In this passage, as they go to Jesus trying to figure out why this demon won't budge. Well, check it out, Matthew 17, 19 through 20. The disciples came to Jesus privately. They didn't want a public rebuke, you know. So and they, why could we not cast it out? He said to them, check it out. Because of your, what's it say? Little faith. Now, I can't emphasize this enough. Jesus said, you could not drive out this demon. You could not move this mountain because of what? Underline that in your Bible. Circle it if you have your Bible open. Now, I love here that Jesus not only corrected them, but he redirected them. He didn't just say, here's how you failed and why, but, but, but he gave further instruction. How many of y'all know Jesus wants you to succeed? Jesus wants you to win in life. And he redirected them, and here's what I want to get to. He turns in literally the same or the next breath, he says this to his disciples who are very discouraged. And he's saying this to you tonight as you're discouraged in certain areas. He says, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a, hold it up, like a grain of mustard seed. Let me read that again. If you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, and I'm convinced he pointed to where that demon was. And you can say to the mountain, the demon, the cancer, the problem in your life that's keeping you from the fullness of God, you can say to that mountain, y'all, come on, get out of the way. Move. Look at what he says. Move from, from here to, say it with me, to there. Move from, from here to, move from here to, to there. And look at what he says here. 
and it, the mountain, it will move. And he says here, and nothing will be impossible for you. What? Now check this out, y'all. This is going to blow your mind. At least it blew mine. Normally, when we think about the disciples' failure, we go back to Jesus, his, his subtle here rebuke, right? The reason y'all couldn't cast this demon out is because you have what kind of faith? Now, most people will say, well, here's what you need. If you just have a little faith, like the size of a mustard seed, that's all you need to take care of the mountain. And see, if you just have a little faith, you can say to that big mountain, get up out of here and it's going to go. How many of y'all said that before? I've said that before. You just need a little bit. But follow the logic. How many of y'all know Jesus was a genius? Why would Jesus say on one hand, y'all couldn't drive that demon out because you had little faith, but in order to drive it out, you need a little bit of faith, like little, like the, 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 this size, y'all. Y'all see that? Follow me. Why would he say you could not drive it out because you had a little faith, but here's what you need. I got the solution. You need a little faith. Does that jive with anybody? Does that make sense? Now, that's one interpretation. I just don't think it's the right one because check it out. How many of y'all know this little old mustard seed, yeah, it's little, and, and, and y'all know your faith's got to start somewhere. It's got to start somewhere. But see, see here, here's the truth. The disciples' faith, I'm convinced, started out big, but when their faith was met with opposition, it ended up small, and they walked away. But see, if you understand the mustard seed, and, and really any seed for this matter, but if you understand the principle of this little seed, how many of y'all know? It starts out real small, but if it's planted in the right soil, if it's watered over the course of time, if the right attention is given to the seed, you can plant that seed in front of your mountain, and it might start out small, but over the course of time, that seed's going to grow up into a big tree in your life, and the birds are going to come and nest in its branches. You see, see, uh, mustard seed faith is the type that starts out small, but but when you start praying, you're going to get hit with some opposition. But because you possess the real deal, holy field, mustard seed faith, when that, when that opposition comes, you don't back down. You don't stop. You say, come on, greater is he in me than he that's in the world. You say, come on, bring it on. And it starts out small. Come on, y'all. But it grows and it grows and it grows into something big in your life. That's the type A faith that moves mountains. The type that does not give up. The type that grows, not the type that dwindles. That increases, not decreases. Y'all tracking? If you have that kind of faith, you can look at anything in your life and you can say, Jesus says, get out of the way. And because he says, get out of the way, you got to go. Come on. And sometimes it doesn't happen overnight. How many of y'all know we serve a crock pot God? Some of y'all love that microwave oven. Come on, get rid of that thing. 
Because we like it fast, but how many people, they, they put it in the microwave oven and it doesn't come out right in, in the timing that you've put on, on the clock in the way you want it. How many of y'all know God's ways are always better? They're always higher. Come on, he's got a purpose in your pain. He's making you wait, not, not to harm you, but to help you, not to deform you, but to conform you into his image. There's something he's doing in your life as you're sitting there waiting on that prayer to be answered. God is always at work in your life. Every second of the day, he works all things for your good. Every pain, every heartbreak, everything that you're going through. Come on, y'all. It's got purpose in your life. My God starts a work, and he completes that work every single time. Come on, say crockpot. He's a crockpot type of God. And I mean that with all respect, Jesus. But see, here's here's the way that this works out. We're going to pray here in just a second. Mustard seed faith starts this way. In the name of Jesus, I'm believing for healing. You give it all you got. Nothing happens. What do you do? Let's go back. Let's do this again. In the name of Jesus, here's what I need, God. In the name of Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm standing in prayer. I'm here again. Y'all done this. Come on. The second time. And, and you gave it all you had. Do you remember that? That was a long time ago for some of y'all, the second time. Because now y'all into about, you know, a couple hundred. I've been there. Okay. You prayed and nothing happened. But, but see, the disciples, they prayed for a while and then nothing happened. What did they do? They, 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 they went home. Walked away. But see, if you've got mustard seed faith... You're not going to drop that prayer request. You're not going to drop it. You're not going to throw it away. You're going to keep on speaking to that mountain in your life. And listen, I promise you it will probably take some time. So I'm telling you, no matter what your problem is, no matter what your mountain looks like, keep on speaking the word to that mountain. Are y'all hearing me? Come on, somebody. Keep on speaking. Because one day, come on, you're going to be speaking, and all of a sudden you're going to see, you're going to see that mountain start to shake a little bit. Just a little bit. Come on. But it's not going to move. It's just going to shake. And see, that's when you got to press in. You can just see a little sign of life. And a chain breaks here, a chain breaks there. Come on, that gives you some motivation. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Now you got some, some momentum, that second wind. And then you go back and it's starting to move. And you go back to that, that, that prayer request again. You pray again, and you pray again, and you pray again. And see, if you don't give up, what you're going to realize is that very quickly, instead of that mountain having authority over you, you're going to get authority over it. If you don't give up, but you got to keep on praying. Come on, somebody. you got to keep on praying. Don't you give up. And one day you're going to see that mountain lift up in front of your very eyes and that mountain is going to be thrown into the heart of the sea. But I'm telling y'all, it's a process. It's a process. He's doing something in you. When you don't see anything happening around you, I promise you, your God is doing something in you. And sometimes, 
oftentimes God's more interested in what he's doing in you than what he's doing around you. I promise you that. Because he's way more interested in your character and your conformity to the image of his son than he is you just getting your prayer met in your microwave oven. Are y'all with me? That's what he's after in our lives. See, if you stop believing, listen, if you stop believing, the mountain will stay. But if you stand in faith, it's got to move out of the way. Because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Mountains were created to be moved. Let me say that again. Mountains were created to be moved. Some of y'all feel like your plans and dreams died in 2016 or 2017. But God's promises never fail. His promises never fail. And I pray for all of us that we have great lives. I do. I pray that y'all live to be 100. But some of y'all will die this year. Some of you next year. And just on and on. We're not promised another day, are we? None of us. We pray for physical healing. And people say, well, Pastor God, I prayed, and I kept on praying, and my so-and-so didn't get healed. He or she died of cancer. And I said, well, you know, that is tragic. I lost my mom to cancer. But here's the good news. In Jesus Christ, it is impossible to lose. It is impossible to lose. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. When you understand what is written on the last page, you don't care about what's written on the front page of the newspaper. This book says in Revelation Church, we win. We win. Death, where's your sting? I know it's not Easter, but I'm tempted to preach an Easter message. Come on, death, where is your sting? Devil, you can kill me. You can inflict people around me. You can rob from me. You can take my stuff, but you cannot take my salvation and you cannot touch my soul because I'm owned and I'm operated by Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He's the only one. He's the only God. He's the only King. Come on, you're property of God Almighty. And so your best life is not now. Let me help Joel Olstein. He's a great guy. Your best life is not now. Your best life is to come. Come on, y'all. And I hope you do have a great life now. But it's not about that. What am I saying? It's going to get real good real quick. Jesus is coming back, y'all. He's coming back soon. And we're on a mission, aren't we? What are we here for? We're going to reach people. And we're going to build lives. And we're going to do it in faith. And when I read this passage, I'm just convinced. Jesus never condemned anyone for having too much faith. Let me say that again. He never condemned anyone for having too much faith. He never looked over and said, no, 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 no. You're believing for too much. You can't do that. Y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about? He never condemned someone for having too much faith. If he, can, if he rejected or, let's say, rebuked them, it was for their little faith. And I don't mean mustard seed faith. I mean the little type that never gets any bigger. You with me? He never condemns anyone for having 
too much faith. You know, I'm thinking of Abraham. And if we have any music, it makes me feel real secure at this point. It makes y'all feel real holy. Can we get something up here? So, so God, God promised Abraham that he'd be the father of many nations. But the promise did not come to pass overnight. At one point, Abraham questioned God and Sarah laughed because they were so old. Me have a kid? Yeah, I mean, I think she probably laughed at Abraham and said, Come on, y'all. I got another kids in here, so I'm going to be careful. But he looked down and he said, No, it ain't going to happen. My glory days are over. <laughs> I might be reading a little bit into that text, but that, that, that's part of it. That's part of it. He faced the fact that his body was good as dead. And there was some, there was some wavering. But check it out as we begin to land the plane. The Bible says in Romans that, well, let's read it. Paul reflecting back on Abraham, it says, Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. And that Sarah's womb was also dead. Circle this in your Bible. Yet. I love that word. Yet. Say that with me. Yet. He did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. But, but, but here it is. He was strengthened. You see that? Strengthened in his faith. See, his faith didn't dwindle when it was met with opposition. What did it do? It grew, and it was strengthened. And he gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. I don't know about y'all, but I'm, I'm fully persuaded that my God's going to do what he promised. And it took over two decades for the promise to finally come to pass. And we look back at Abraham and we look back at the disciples. We learn from them. And I'm reminded tonight for my own life and for your lives, his promise still stands great is his faithfulness in our lives. Close your eyes with me. I want to just speak that over you. His promise, listen to me, his promise still stands. Great. Great is your faithfulness, oh God. Your promise is greater than my pain. Your promise is greater than the pressure in my life. Where we declare tonight, your promise still stands. And we're going to keep on praying, God. Because we're fully persuaded that you're going to do what you said you're going to do. 
You say, well, what, what if he doesn't answer my prayer in the right time? Or what if my prayer doesn't get answered? Answer, even if he doesn't answer your prayer, you and I get him. Let me say that again. You might not get that spouse. You might not get that healing. But you get him. And he is your very great reward. We cannot lose. We cannot lose. Greater is he living in me in you than he that's in the world. Come on, y'all. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not life or death, angels or demons. Nothing in the past or the present or the future. Nothing can separate us from his love. And right now, if you're here tonight and you're discouraged, you're depressed, you're down, you're tired, and you're maybe on the verge of giving up, I want you to know Jesus loves you so much. And he's so proud that you're here tonight. I'm so proud. But right now, no matter where you are, no matter how far down you are in your discouragement, Jesus wants to lift you up. 